And what happens if you achieve beyond your wildest dreams? What comes next? You know, and it's like a big crash. Professional base jumper, a wingsuit pilot, his pro skydiver, Mr. Christopher Dugues McDougall. After Claire passed away, I was like, fuck, some things were just left unsaid. Basically, she died full, full noise, 200 k's an hour hit the ground. The second you commit to that jump, there's no past, there's no future. There's literally the present moment, and it's like a beautiful silence for that first second. We're at the mercy of gravity, because your wings haven't inflated yet, you haven't taken flight, so you're falling. And you know at this point in time that if you don't do anything about it, you are dead. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. Well, it's your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybra. Of course, you can call me Brad. Bloody blessed to be here as always. Today with a guest that is so unlike anyone I've ever had on the podcast. It's always a thrill for me to talk to people from different worlds, but it's a thrill to talk to people from worlds that are so unlike my own. And our guest today is from a world that is so far from what I've experienced and lived and know. Um, So I'm really looking forward to get into it. He's a professional base jumper, a wingsuit pilot. He's a pro skydiver. He's a man who basically tackles fear on a daily basis, and I really want to dive into that essence and understanding of fear here today. So from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Mr. Christopher Dugues McDougall. How are you, brother? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Nice to be here. Mate, it's so good to have you here. As I said, just... For me, this is so outside of my world, so outside of what I can th- sort of fathom and understand. I've lived a very a very somewhat normal life, I think, by most people's standards. But you literally do crazy shit for a living. Like, that's kind of the easiest way to explain it. It's funny you say it like that, though, because for me, that is normal. Yeah. So I think people working in an office do crazy shit for a living. Okay, <laughs> so I love to, that. Yeah, yeah so to define your crazy... What's yeah. your what's your crazy? So my crazy is being stuck in a, a, a cage working and mortgages yeah. and all this stuff. But but for me, normal and as being up in the air and being free in the mountains and doing whatever I want and doing what I love. So that's if you call that crazy, cool. If it's yeah. you know, for me, it's it's normal and it's calming and Mate, it's, I love it's that. what I do. So, but yeah, it's for sure a different world to most people. That's a beautiful um, perspective on it. I'm I'm really curious, right? I think. I've learned from my time on the pod, 140-odd episodes, that most people's stories have some kind of link to their childhood, whether it be your childhood was one way and then the life that you live is a contradiction of that, or your childhood has led to you embracing this fear, embracing this, um, what we'll put in quotations, craziness by my standards as a way of living. So I'd love to hear about your childhood. And I guess the first question to kick it off is, you know, every kid, I do it still to this day, you lie in bed and you have that dream where you're falling and you kick your legs out. Did you just fucking love that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, that was one, one thing in my, when I look back at my childhood and stuff, but it was only actually this year I did a, a large ayahuasca retreat in Peru oh, wow. um, where they were able to trace why I based you know, most likely back to when I was a baby and a kid. And that was really interesting. So um, basically my, my mom, she was awesome, but she was pretty full on and I was probably a little shit. So um, she'd tie me to the trolley. She'd tie me to the bed. She'd tie me to the clothesline. You know, I had a little uh, human harness and, and, um, and it's sort of strapped in everywhere basically because I'd be just probably most likely running around and jumping off stuff and doing yeah, all this wow. crazy stuff. And they reckon that suppression of me as a kid brought me to, once I discovered skydiving and, and base jumping, 
brought me to that freedom, that pure freedom. So I went from opposite of being completely restrained to completely free. And that's when I, I just took it to the extremes, basically. So obviously I don't do it for those reasons now, but they, they were basically yeah. able to trace that back. So that was interesting, yeah. Do you, do you feel like as a kid, if you look back and you remember those memories, did you feel like you were suppressed or did that just feel like... I don't have full memories of it. I mean, I did. I would have deserved it for sure. And I don't, I never, I had an awesome childhood. Yeah. You know, my parents didn't have money or anything like that, but they, there was always food on the table. I was able to go to school. Um, very simple living, mm. but, um, but I had good parents. My dad especially was just awesome. So what, what I, when I look back, what my father gave me, he's like my best friend as well. And he took me to the mountains every three months from the age of three. Um, camping so I learned how to live off the land and learn everything there is to to learn about the outdoors uh, from him and then as a child we we didn't have much but I was pretty street smart so I was able to go and you know I was always in the trees I could literally swing from tree to tree I was always jumping off roofs I was always just in the playground you know I was the king of tiggy I was fast I was agile I was evasive you know it was yeah. all all these things that you just think as normal as a kid when I look back it's like these were all building blocks to to where I went uh, with my sports and stuff like that so so that was really cool um mm. but you know I had dreams of falling for sure I always had dreams of hitting the ground and being able to just get back up but nothing ever uh steered me towards jumping out of airplanes like at all yeah. um but what I did do is from the age of 11 um, I was scholar, I was skateboarding. Okay. Yeah, so I started skateboarding. I found that I still did team sports up until I was like eighteen or something. Yeah. But I found that like the freedom of skateboarding, you know, you weren't confined to a field and you weren't confined to have to rely on other people. You could get as good as you wanted to get with the amount you trained and the yeah. effort you put in was the reward you got. I didn't realise that at the time. Um and that things have consequences. So if you crash, you get hurt. So you, you need to crash to get better, you know, but it, by training and training and training and, you know, just, and then that moment you pull off an awesome trick or you, you know, you hit that stairs or hit the ramp and that reward was worth all that training all the way up For to sure. that point. Yeah. And you did it all by yourself, you know, yeah. so you weren't relying on anyone or anything. And I, I mean, I focused my whole life. I was in the library at high school, I was in the library every lunchtime to get my homework done so I could go and skate after school. And so they gave me in a way a good worth ethic for sport yep. to, to like, if you want it, you got to go for it. Um, and also in relation to that with my father, um, they couldn't afford skate clothes or skateboards or anything like that. So from the age of 11, I worked every school holidays just to be able to afford the cool shred threads pants. And the, I think my first skateboard was a vision jinx and, you know, like oh, yeah. Lee Ralph skateboards and all this stuff it was like, I had to earn it. I had to, if I wanted it, I had to go out and get it. So all that combined really put me on this journey of like, if, if you want it, you got to go get it and you have to make sacrifices to do it. Mm. Um, and that's when I, when I found, you know, after skateboarding, I found surfing and then snowboarding. And then when I actually got introduced to skydiving, just one jump, just to be a punk rocker and impress the chicks. Like, yeah, I just jumped out of an airplane. Yeah, that was the whole theory of it. But that second I left that aircraft, you know, I mean, I blacked out. Like I passed out for 10 seconds. They call it sensory overload. Okay. Um, but that, that moment of freedom, it's just, you, no one can take that away from you. And that just sent me on this 25-year this journey. Sounds like the third point break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were the ri original gangsters, you know. <laughs> you know, mm. it's really interesting hearing you talk there about the work ethic that was established to be able to do these things. 
I wonder how important that was in actually building a real deep love for this stuff. Because I think often when you're handed something as a kid, it doesn't hold the same value. Like when you've had to work for something and you recognize, like you said, now you recognize those lessons. But even at the time, you could you can recognize as a child when you've put effort into something and it's paid off. Mm, yeah, you know? absolutely. And yeah. I spoke about this on my last episode of the podcast with a guy named Martin Hevel. And he said, when you get comfortable in life with this idea of sometimes you'll do your best and it's not good enough, but if you get comfortable with the, the feeling of that and then you show up again, it just might be good enough. And then you start to like get addicted to the churn of like putting in that work, recognizing the results, earning the rewards, and then suddenly like a, a deep love for effort is built. And mm. it sounds like you built a real deep love for effort. I did uh, for many, many, many years. And it was only in the last couple of years, up until a year, literally a year ago, um, I had a, it was just my life just collapsed in all around me. And I'd lost my way and lost that path for the effort. Mm. It's like one thing, it's really weird to say, but like one thing I don't teach you in school or life is what happens if you achieve all your dreams? Everything. And what happens if you achieve beyond your wildest dreams? What comes next? You know, and it's like a big crash because i didn't know how to deal with it so i, I mean just to put it into context i had the perfect job which i created which is to run a base jumping school i had the perfect country which is switzerland where i can be free to do whatever i want i had the perfect girl stunning amazing everything awesome the perfect castle on the hill you know i had everything literally everything and then it just came crashing down i just didn't know how to deal with it so it's sort of ended up with alcohol dependence and partying too much and I had time and a little bit of money and I was the boss so I could do whatever I wanted and and I lost that you know I think you know my father passing away around that time as well it just it just sent me on a big downward spiral a lot of injuries yeah stuff like that and it sent me on a spiral and I, and I didn't understand why I was broken you know and it's just mentally and then it was only last year where um, this project that my friends uh, got me onto um, which does, uh, requires a lot of training. It gave me a purpose again. I was able to pick myself up off the floor and now I'm in such a good place because of effort, because I need to grind and put in the effort. And through this whole process, I've been trying to question like, why did I get to where I was when I had everything? And my rock bottom is different to someone's true rock bottom, you know, but again, it's the same thing. What's your rock bottom? I yeah. hit my rock bottom and I didn't understand why it had all gone bad. And there's a few people that have helped me along the way, like David Goggins, Jocko Wilnick, Joe Rogan, you know, Alan Watts, Ramdas. There's these people that yeah. I listen to and value their opinions. And um, one quote was from Alan Watts and it's, it says, there's no point sustaining bliss. And that really resonated with me, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd hit the pinnacle of everything. There's no, I should have been dead already. I shouldn't have got to this point, yeah. you know, in my personal journey where I thought I was going. And I, and I got there and I was like, shit, there's so many blank pages, but I didn't know how to fill them in. And, you know, listening to, say, Joe Rogan's like, you've got to keep grinding. You've got to keep working. You've got to get up and grind. You've got to go, go, go. And that's what I'd done my entire life up until that point. And then I didn't have to do it anymore. Mm. And it, it actually was probably the worst thing that happened to me. It's, so inter it's interesting, yeah. It's very interesting how life tests you, isn't it? When things are going a little bit too smooth, yeah. Um, you know, it's like it's like every now and then in summer, you have a bunch of sunny days strung together. You need a day of rain just to remember how nice the sun is. That's it. Dolly Parton said it best: "You can't get a rainbow without a little rain." You know, and I'm like, and I yeah. just never thought about that. My life was so full on hardcore. You know, 
just full chaos, full death, carnage, epic stuff every day, epic parties, you know, nearly every day. And just, it was just going, it was just a whirlwind of awesome. Yeah. But then it turned from awesome to not awesome very quickly. And that's when I was like, I had to basically, do I want to take that path of that midlife path of just getting proper on it now and just continue that spiral to my my demise or do i want to pick myself up dust myself off and just rise to new heights on a different area and choose yeah. that battle and then that's now is like the battle for sobriety and fitness and health and well-being and mental health and sorting myself out so i can help a lot of other people because that's what i found is my big goal and in life is about to help others i really love it i really love teaching base jumping and mm. you know helping people go through all the good bits without the bad bits and yeah in, in our sport and then but i realized that i just didn't look after myself either so i've had to rebuild myself in the last 12 months and that it's been a journey yeah but i'm i'm feeling it i'm feeling the love i'm feeling the good and then and there was always setbacks you know so just as i said three days ago i'm training all this running stuff i'm brand new to running so the only time i run always when the police are chasing <laughs> <laughs> and um and then this yeah you know, this sunday i tore a calf muscle mid-run yeah. and i was doing really well so i didn't understand why it tore yeah um and then i'm like this is gonna happen this is life this is you know you, you think you're at your peak and then something happens luckily it's just something small in this instance but yeah. you know, i have to chill for a couple of weeks and and work with the emotion of frustration and not collapse and and you know stay strong stay focused Definitely. Yeah. Well, the top of one mountain is the bottom of another, as exactly. they say. And, yeah. You know, I think there's so much I want to dive into about what you said there because there was just so many gems in that little piece. The thing that stands out to me is you said about that connection of purpose now and I'm massive on purpose. Like mm. when I stand on stage to do a keynote, it's all about purpose and resilience. For me, purpose changed my life. Like yep. it put me on a path to doing something that had meaning that gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning with a smile on my face. It gave me like the little kick and the drive to get through the difficult points in my life, the adversity that I was facing. And, you know, I think it's a real privilege to be able to still be here living, breathing with a heartbeat when you've been through adversity mm. and go, I want to show people the way so that they don't have to face what I've faced. So I admire that in you, but I want to I want to backtrack, you know, there's something you said to me off camera before and you just kind of alluded to it there. You spoke about you never thought you'd live past 30. You thought you'd be dead by the time you were 30. Do you think that there's something to do with this idea, this expectation that the extreme life was leading to that final destination of an early death that when stuff started to maybe challenge you, you chose the downward spiral? It's hard to say. Well, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a, like we always joked about it, like, because I started jumping at 20. So I was lucky I got stuck into it early and mm. started base jumping, I think, 21. And um, I didn't see my, I saw, what was that, 96? I started about a Scott over 97 base jumping. I was, watched my first death at, in 2002. So I got a really understanding of, there's, there was just reward before that. There's no real mm. risk. You know, we were pretty ignorant to it all. Naive, I guess is the best word. And, um, but then our joke was always like wheelchair 28, still go hard after that and then dead by 30, you know? I mean, it was a joke, but I was just heading that direction. Yeah. We didn't give a fuck, you know? We just living in the moment, fucking literally living the point break lifestyle, you know, jumping off yeah. shit, working hard because we still had to work to pay for everything. And, you know, we were competitive skydiving around the world. So we're still, you know, we had to live a normal life and a separate life, but just going for it. It was, it was amazing because we were literally living in the moment. Mm. And it was just the coolest, but 
without any information not that i would have listened to the information back then anyway but what goes up must come down so you know when you you have this intense thrill this adrenaline based thrill and then you want to maintain that you know so you yeah. just and it was a, you know australia's very drinking culture for sure um, so everyone you know party time and then you know but i just the, the come down you could bounce back from it pretty yeah. good as a young fella but and you also had to work six days a week at the start you know so so that's just reality was reality but um the more i got into full-time jumping the more i started partying but at a way later age and, um but just didn't have any plans after mm. after didn't have any plans at all i mean i stumbled into everything really you know yeah i was gonna no... ask that because i wouldn't say like if someone said when i seen that you were a professional jumper i'm like yeah i understand that but the fact that you funded a like a really good life off the back of that like there's obviously a lot of opportunities here were they a surprise to you they were they were a, it was a case of never say no sacrifice everything for nothing and yeah. just follow passion just passion 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 and you know you combine passion and drive and mm. a little bit of skill um and just just go for it and just there was no like there was no professional base jumpers back then or anything like that yeah. you know there's a couple of manufacturers but there's no goal to be a teacher or be a movie star or be anything. It was just like, look at that building. looks sick. Let's go jump off it. Let's go to this cliff and jump off it. Wow, we're going to Europe. What's there to jump off? You know, yeah. and just, it just went like that. And then just meeting people. And I mean, the story goes, basically, we were competing for Australia. We went over to, um, we trained for the national championships and in 2000. So I think it was 99, I quit my job, 50 bucks in the bank, quit my job, went full-time skydiving, just just take a risk it's yeah. the scariest thing i've ever done to this point in time and um and that panned out so train full time you know jump for work and then and train the rest of the time and then um we lost which was the the national championships with the biggest lesson in humility um ever for me it was, a, it was a blessing absolute blessing but on the back of that we still actually got to go to the world championships in spain on the australian team so all these dreams that weren't even dreams a few years ago have come true and from that, we found France, Lauterbrunnen, where I currently live, and, and um, Norway, and meeting everyone there, chatting to them, they're like, you got to go to America. So I went to, next year, I went to America just with no money, just living off rice and living on a couch, you know. And, and then I got invited to the world record there. And then the, went to the Cave of the Swallows in Mexico, jumped into there, and they said, hey, we're looking for an instructor in Norway next year. Do you want to do it? And I was just, yes. The next year I'm in teaching in Norway and that's like living the dream. I'm getting, you know, you didn't get paid hardly anything, but you're getting paid to jump off cliffs. And it's just like unbelievable, you know? And then mm. it sort of went from there. I'd still have to go back and, you know, um, work as a carpenter and I'd still have to go and dig holes and I'm still doing that every now and then. You've got to go back and work a, a normal job or whatever it takes to make the next set of goals met you know well i think that's a clear indication of true passion right like when you'll do anything to yeah. keep it afloat yeah yeah you and know? i've got a sister that's the same she's a professional circus performer so you put us in the family you're a professional base drummer, professional circus performer if you had to go on to your school counselor and be like this is what i want to be they're yeah. gonna look at you going yeah nah Fuck, but imagine we, christmas at your place oh yeah 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 it's pretty wild back in the yeah. day but yeah so she she's the same she just followed her passion mm. followed her dreams and, and even in through COVID, she started this earrings company just for fun for her friends. Yeah. So gay and lesbian earrings and stuff. And it's yeah. gone ballistic, ballistic because she did it with no 
gosh, you just did it for the passion of doing it. I do think you, that's a huge one. Do mm. you think there's a guy who I love listening to? His name is Mo Gordon. And Mo's the ex-CEO of Google X, I believe. Oh, cool. And actually lost his son to ill health at 18. His son's purpose was to make the world happy. And so Mo quit his job, sold everything, and took on his son's purpose in life. And I listened to him on a podcast I love, Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. And Mo said that you shouldn't have any expectation on anything in life, that expectation ruins happiness. It takes happiness away from you because the moment you expect things, then like you're susceptible to that pain. You begin to suffer over the idea of what life should look like or what you wanted from this or what you wanted from that. And I think the minute that you lose, that expectation loses a grip of you and you get free of that, life just gets a little more blissful. You know, you get to just roll with the punches and go with the flow. And it sounds like for you, this has just all been, like you said, Yes, I want to throw myself into this. I'm going to dive headfirst into that opportunity. Now I'm here. Now I've met this person. They've offered me this gig or this opportunity to jump off this cliff. And it's kind of the snowball effect of just you gaining momentum in this space and field and just collecting whatever's there to collect along the way. Yeah, which is good and bad. You know, it's like, oh, you don't, maybe you should have been on a path with your own personal goal. But I was just yeah. saying, again, I didn't expect to live. I was just living moment to moment. So mm. I was just having the best time ever. You know, yeah. and it's only now, you know, we have a bit more focus with the school and stuff like that and, and focusing on this big running project and stuff now. So it's been amazing to have full focus on For a project. Sure. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, at one point there towards the you know, last few years after dad passed away, I did lose my way. For sure, I just didn't have the drive, didn't have the focus, um, yeah. didn't have the purpose and just was, I'd sort of done everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there's, I mean, you can never do everything. <laughs> there's no, so much sure. to do. And, and now I'm realizing to, to enjoy the simple things and, um, and to not, not battle everything and everyone and just to, to go with the flow, roll with the punches, as you say. For sure. Um, and just experience everything in its simplest form again, which I just yeah. lost that, that direction for a bit. Yeah. And I mean, we're, it's a blessing and a curse, but being around a sport that has severe consequences if you make a mistake allowed us to live in the moment because we know that that moment could be taken away from us. Of course. So that was really cool. You know, you watch someone die, you can't unsee that, but it also gives you a sense of the, the little things in life don't matter, like the little issues, mm. the, the, the you know, road rage or the traffic light or having to wait five minutes for your takeaway food or all this bullshit that actually grips onto people's lives, you know, myself included. And none of it actually matters at the end of the day. Um, so I've really, in the last few years, been able to take that back on board again. Of just enjoy the moment because it's right now. Um, be present. Um, don't mask the pain with uh, unhealthy things, you know, alcohol, drugs, and shit food, except for Tim Tams. Yeah, yeah, they're, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, yeah you get a pass for Tim Tams. Evil, uh, yeah. the best. <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. But just try and find a try and find that healthy healthy direction. Um, of course. And I've never been one for balance, which has been tough. It's full throttle or nothing. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to find a little bit of balance now as well. I have to ask, Doug. So you spoke about 2002, the first time you experienced death on the job, right? And you mentioned there, you know, your relationship with your family, your father being, you know, your best mate, um, your mother, your sister, obviously family. Um, you know, my family stress out when I don't call back for six hours, you know, yeah. you're jumping off cliffs, you're jumping out of planes, you're flying through the air like a bird in a wingsuit. I wonder what fear 
like how what's your relationship with fear in 2002 when you experience that first death and you go this is real what's your parents relationship with the fear of losing you and how do you explain this concept of this is what i'm doing it may not end well but you as a family have to be comfortable mm. with me pursuing that so i was lucky and unlucky at the same time as a I was street smart, but my parents are very strict on me, so I couldn't go out at night and stuff yeah. like that. I'd get grounded for a month, and I'd be, you know, always okay on weekends to go out in the day, but I had to be home by dark, which was an absolute blessing when I look mm. back, you know, because I would have been easily led astray. We're in a pretty gnarly suburb, in, uh, a suburb called Keysborough in Melbourne. Yeah. It was pretty rough. Um, but then my mum got cancer at 43, so I'm 46 so now. Weird. She got cancer at 43, so she had this eight-year battle with cancer, and it was brutal. And so... You know, she always said, there's always someone worse off than me and, and to make sure I went and lived my life. So I think the joy they saw from the moment I started my first skydive just blew them away. And, you know, dad told me years later, he goes, we always expected the phone call that you'd be dead, but look at the lives you got to live. You got to live 20 mm. people's lives. And this is a long time ago. And watching mum deteriorate over that, that time and um, and then her she passed away at 51. Sorry. So that was like 2000 and three um and yeah november 2003 so she she passed away and she never got to live a lot of her dreams you know she's raising four kids and dad had to work six seven days a week to keep the house mm. over her heads and um that really inspired me to make sure i lived in the moment and live every day like it's my last and and that's i mean it was definitely a catalyst and a drive for where i was headed that yep. way um it just got cloudy i mean years later it just got clouded with too much partying and and no sense of purpose and but at that time i was like so driven you know um i was pretty gutted i never got back for her funeral uh oh sorry i didn't get back for her passing um which is i'm okay with because i, I was in america i flew home i had six days at home before i was flying back to mexico and um to jump in the cave of the spies a very remote part of mexico and um and i was gonna stay because was really sick and she gave me a blessing. We said, oh, yeah, I love yous and stuff like that. And she said, go and live, go and do it. You know, we didn't mm. expect to die in those few days. But yeah. um, so I did. And, and, you know, I didn't get back for her passing. But um, it, at that moment, I'm like, you've got to keep living. Just got to sure. keep going for it because we're all dying. We're all going to die, all of us, <laughs> mm. you know. And um, seeing that stuff head on and, you know, watching people die, you know, having my partner die in front of me and, and lose my best friends and my parents and it's all a lot of death and it's obviously terrible, but it also allows you to live because you do realize it's finite. So mm. so when I see kids whinging about iPads or, you know, all these little things, it's like, guys, you, got, you, just, you almost need everyone to watch, to witness something yeah. horrific to get them to understand that there is an end game for everyone, at least yeah. on this planet. And so you just to let go of all the petty things you know and, mm. and go and live and that's what i'm lucky enough to have learned very early on that you know the age of 20 i realized that basically death is imminent and and get out there still be safe but get out there and live whatever you want to do whatever makes you happy if it's golf awesome if it's you know jump off buildings awesome if it's surfing awesome if it's reading books awesome but you know as, yeah. as you the google dude said it's like just be happy you know, sure. and, and just search for that. I was just so lucky that I found true freedom, my true passion at 20 years old, 
you know, yeah, I'm so, that is a blessing. so grateful for that. Yeah. And, I found and, mine at 24. So, yeah. you know, it's like, it's the same thing. It's, which is so it's good. a feeling that allows you to bounce out of bed in the morning with a smile on your face. It gives you a reason to keep pushing when times get tough, when you face adversity. And yeah. it's so beautiful what you said there, because I think I've had a unique look, I guess a unique view on life because being born with CF, you're not given a real chance. Mm. And, you know, I was very lucky that my parents were very positive and had just the utmost belief in what my life could be as opposed to, <clears throat> excuse me, what doctors said it would look like. And, you know, I think hope is is great medicine. Mm. Hope is the best medicine. I think a lot of people in life lack hope. They don't understand that life is, you know, it's that cliche that life isn't a dress rehearsal. It's yeah. a one-time thing. <laughs> And I've always said that, like, if you're lucky enough to wake up today with air in your lungs and a heartbeat, you've got the opportunity to connect to a purpose and live a life that is meaningful. Mm. But unfortunately, a lot of people get to the end and they haven't realized that. Yeah, it's, and it's tough now because I, I, I was always grateful. You, you, like, you don't think formally about stuff when mm. you're younger. It's only as you get older, you like, actually sort of reflect on things. But, you know... It, it's so easy to be negative in today's society with everything. Whether you're watching the news or anything, mm. it's a lot of negativity, but you don't have to have negativity, you know. You just, but you've got to, yeah, be positive. And so now, you know, every day I have three signs one on the fridge, one on the back of my computer, and one on the desk says, Today I am grateful for. And mm. I just three things when I'm out running, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful for breath, you know, like it's a huge one. Without breath, we're dead, you yeah. know. And without limbs, we can't do the things we like. And and then without a coffee cup, I can't have a coffee. You know, so I try and have yeah. like two serious things and a fun yeah, thing beautiful. every day at a minimum. You know, and sometimes when you get running and you start having negative thoughts, I found this out recently. Actually, I was, I was running because I'm new to running. If I have super positive, excited thoughts, like like cool, what are we going to go jump off or do this? My pace picks up. Yeah. And if I have negative thoughts, like, fuck this guy or, you know, whatever, because your brain's just going crazy and then I, I my pace picks up. <laughs> yeah. And it's like either way, it's been it's not in the present moment and not in a calm state. And yeah. so it's been a really interesting thing to process lately. It and is very interesting. about that, yeah. And well, the so, power of the mind, man. I remember when I started running myself, probably at a similar stage as you are now. And, you know, it was two years ago. And I remember running through Pucky's Trail down here on the beach and just been 12Ks into my first ever 20K run solo and just going, fuck, I'm hurting. Yeah. And I remember just like looking up, sun was peeking through the trees. Like it was a beautiful day. You know, three weeks before that, I'd been sitting in a hospital bed with bleeding lungs. And I remember going, fuck, like I'm just so blessed to be out here. Like blessed to be running, blessed to be healthy, blessed that my worst day would be someone's best. And I was mm. like, fuck, I'm blessed. And if you can somewhat connect with gratitude on simple things and you know, everyone looks for gratitude in like, and I think here's the thing. It's the same thing with purpose as it is with gratitude. People think that you can only be grateful for exceptional things or an exceptional life. Or they think that people who live exceptional lives are the only people who are connected to purpose. Mm. It's not true. Like everyone has something to be grateful for. Everyone has a purpose. Yeah. Everyone has a story too. Like, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been lucky in that respect that I've had absolute extreme highs. Yeah. Like, like the best highs of all highs, you know, and then the lowest of the lows, you know, as mm. well. So um, I'm grateful for all the extremities as well. Yeah. And that's brought me into being grateful for the, the present moment and for the little things now. But to recognize and acknowledge that, exactly what you're saying, to acknowledge being blessed, acknowledge being being grateful. It's a huge start. 
Yeah, no. Because it's easy just to forget. It's easy just to go about your day and you forget. And then seeing, I get joy out of it. This is super bad. Like if I see someone throwing a tantrum or someone going off, it makes me even more grateful. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, these poor guys haven't worked it out yet. You know? Yeah, and for then, sure. And, and then like it makes me even more grateful. It brings me even more at peace. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've not been at peace. So it's been a really, the last 12 months of going to sort of near suicide to building up to where I'm at mm. pretty much at peace now and learning more about calm and breath work and understanding and compassion and forgiveness. And it sounds super hippie, but all this stuff is just, it's just done nothing but enhance my life. Mate, I yeah. love to hear that so much. If, yeah. if you don't mind, I would love to dive into that downward spiral, that phase. You know, you spoke about just a few things you mentioned there, mate, and I, I can't even begin to imagine the pain of losing both parents, the pain of losing your partner in front of you and how that would lead to a point of crisis. Like, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed that I've never experienced the loss of my immediate family or friends. You know, I've lost my, my nan, but she was older. She was at the end of mm. her life, you know, so it's understanding and it's still sad, but you can understand that, you know, that happens. It's a part of the natural process of life. Yeah. But when you lose the people that you hold dearest, you spoke about your partner, like, is that the start of this downward spiral? Is that the start of like you questioning why you're still here? Did you almost feel like a bit of survivor's guilt? No, not. I mean, I've lost. I mean, I've lost. Let's just. It's a lot more than this, but like well, well over hundred friends, you know. So yeah, well, well over. Um, and so it's part of what we do, you know. But what I, what I, when my partner went in in front of me, it was a complex little story. So I don't need to get into it on this this podcast today, but. Basically, she died full full noise. Two hundred k's an hour hit the ground, and um, what what was hardest was that well, one it was preventable, which all the deaths are preventable in our sport. Um, but two is that the fact that things were left unsaid, you know, mm. and that that was brutal, you know. So like with mum, everything was said. With my dad, everything was said, you know. And I make a point of that now too. So we have this this thing with all of us. We hug our friends when we see them. And we hug them when we leave. You know, that's why I hugged you today. Yeah. Like, we met first time. I saw you the other day, you know. But we met, I'll give you a hug because you yeah. might die tomorrow. And then I went, yeah. then I was like, I wish I gave him a hug, you know. For sure. And so I've had friends that are, you know, you hug them and two days later they're dead, you mm. know. So after Claire passed away, I was like, fuck, some things are just left unsaid yeah. um, that should have been said and should have closure, whether it's from an ego, selfish point of view or just for the beauty of the universe, you know. I should have told her she was awesome you know i should yeah. have said other things and and now i know that to try and everyone's busy criticizing but it's like it's important to tell everyone they're awesome as well and, and appreciate your friends and family obviously and um tell them that you love them and you know and be compassionate for them and i'm working on it it's a constant process you know of discovery of, of your own emotion but the, the fact is that yeah we're all going to die and we're I, with my sport you're thrust into that reality Mm. a lot and um and so whilst you're trying to do everything to prevent dying you're also living a life um and i found that yeah by learning to to just be grateful be open be honest be loving um if someone does die you can say well you know at least i got to say good day and, and spend time with them and appreciate them and, and i learned that early on through the first death that i watched which it wasn't um, a friend as such as just someone on the job. Um, I asked guidance from my one of my mentors, Anne Halliwell. She's a legend of the sport, been jumping for 40 plus years. And 
she said basically you know she ran off a list of 20 names these are the people i think about every day and then these are the people i think about sometimes and then these are the people i think about every now and then she said the most important thing is that you got time to spend with those people whether it be for a minute a day 20 years you know i lost one of my best friends this year early this year um and i've been best friends with him for 20 years we travel the world done awesome stuff together and then he passed away and I'm so gutted and it bro- that's one of the things that really broke me um, to, yeah. re- to where I had to rebuild myself. But I was also so stoked that I got 20 years with one of the most epic humans on the planet. And so you can look at it in a negative downward spiral way, which mm. I have done in the past, absolutely. Um, or you can look at it from this perspective and you just have to keep perspective, positive perspective and positive work and being grateful that takes a lot of energy and a lot of discipline and that's what i'm learning now it's like what do we have it's come up with I'm trying to do some keynote talks myself now i'm trying to explain i've seen that yeah. yeah express my journey and um you know life is hard whether it's a good hard or a bad hard so it's it's tough you know so choose your hard choose your tough do you want to be disciplined in doing good or do you yeah. want to go be on a downward spiral they're both hard, you know. Hey, it's, su- it's it's such a good point. Yeah, you know, it's it's such. A, I'm so glad you touched on this because I think about this a lot too. I think there is this common misconception that once you develop courage, once you develop resilience, once you develop the skills and the attributes required to go through life and make success of it, that things get easy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, life is not easy. It doesn't matter whether you're at the top of the mountain or the bottom there's a challenge in front of you that you are undoubtedly going to face. And, you know, there's a Tony Robbins quote that I love and it's pain is inevitable, suffering yeah. is a choice. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's understanding that you're going to experience pain, but whether you choose to suffer negatively or positively is up to you. And yeah. so for me, in the last two and a half years, my life has changed because I chose positive suffering. It was, well, you know, I'm going to go run marathons because the pain that I feel there is better than, or the suffering that I feel there, I should say, is better than the suffering I'd feel if I was sitting in a hospital bed with bleeding lungs because I've let my health go astray. Yeah, I'm going to go suffer the pain of financial stress because that suffering of trying to build something that I actually love and I'm passionate about that's connected to a purpose is better than the suffering of sitting at the job that I hated every day and being unhappy. And it's that choice, suffer negatively or suffer positively. Yeah. And you can almost remove that word suffering with sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice for? And that's a question I ask myself every day. And I love how you spoke there about understanding the emotions that come with that, how to express them. Mm. Um, I love that when you walked in the door, you know, you gave me a hug today because I was like, this is a good guy. I knew straight away we're going to have a good chat. And so Soph would know, you know, walking with me this morning, when we, um, for everyone who can't see, so behind the camera, um, and you know, walking with me this morning, every time I walk past someone I know, or even someone I don't, I always say g'day, and I always try to give them a little compliment, little pump up, because I think those little things, that little bit of effort that you can give, yeah, you know, allows people to see the beauty in the expressing of emotion. You Just know? a smile. Just something. Yeah. yeah. Just a wave and a smile, and because I travel so much, you know, I'm always in different cultures and mm. stuff, and it just 
most of the time you can't speak the language and so just a smile and a wave and you know for sure just changes the dynamic and it doesn't cost anything to do that and it makes you feel good too oh, absolutely. like it's almost selfish yeah. as whilst it's selfless yeah. it's selfish well we Is have it, this sorry, sorry. Yeah. we have this thing with it with my school and stuff it's like right i'm a super selfish person you know i always say that i'm like but i really get joy of helping others and that is the best form of selfishness, you know. For so, sure. so helping others gives me that feeling. So it's still about me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, cool. I can still be selfish and do and, that. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I read Matthew McConaughey's book. Yeah, oh, Green Lights. Yeah, yeah it's Green a ripper. Yeah. Great book. Yeah, right. Read good. it once, listened to it twice. And something he mentions in the book is selfishness is the ultimate selflessness. Mm. Because if you can help yourself, you can help the world, right? Yeah. And I think. That is the thing that you understand. You have to help yourself first. Like there were times in my life where I was not in a position to be positive for anyone else because I had to figure out what life needed to look like for me, what I needed to be doing, what my purpose was. And then it's like, okay, now I can use that to serve others. Yeah. And I think from what I can see in you and you can see that little glow in you as you talk about this phase of your life you're entering that you're now connected to that, which makes you super powerful in that ability to serve other people through your school or whether it's you know whether you're sitting across the mic and table from me having a chat like you're now got a real ability to serve which has been awesome too because basically i always look at with teaching i'm not a teacher and yet i teach people how to live to survive and it was the um to be able to teach was just and to help others like I, i was given a gift Mm. I didn't ask for it, but I was given the gift of skydiving and base jumping, which was the funnest gift ever. And it took me on this amazing journey. Now, if I didn't give back to the community that gave me everything and I took that to my grave or spiraled down, which is started doing, you know, and just, and just didn't move, um, impart my knowledge onto the next generations, then what a waste of a life I'm mm. realizing now what a waste of all that knowledge, all the bloodshed, all the chaos, all the carnage, all the epicness of my 25 something year career to not, to not share that information, all the good, all the bad, the ugly, to not be open about it, to be honest about it. Um, it's just a waste of my entire existence. It's, that's how I see it now. And so, yeah, so that's how I picked one of the ways I picked myself out, uh, uh, you know, from out of my own rubble and was able to do that. And now I'm on this awesome path and, whether I like it or not, in my sport, I'm experienced that people do listen to what I say, at least at this point in time. And so I could take them down on that, that journey of self-destruction, which I de- def- definitely did for a while there, and I didn't even realize it. Or I can take them on a journey of positivity and, and getting somewhere, which is the journey I'm on now. Uh, and again, it's a, it's a choice, you know? So I've managed to swing everything around onto this journey of positivity but again helping myself first mentally physically emotionally i've had to just rebuild myself um and and that's the project we're doing now is essentially collapsing yourself and rebuilding yourself as part of this 7x project so talk to me about that yeah well yeah so it's just been a journey of basically self-discovery purpose just all the stuff we've been talking about but the the uh the concept is there's seven skydives seven marathons seven swims seven continents seven days so and it's it's Fuck. full on. So I'm I'm a, part, a small part of that that team that are, are doing that. 
And so I've never run before, you yeah. know. Um, and so I'm not on the core team of runners, but they've given me permission to go for it. If I can manage it with my body, then I can run it as well. And so okay. I'm just like training madly, you know, and learning about this This body's never had a service. Eh? It's never been in the mechanic until now and I'm paying <laughs> for it. So between, you know, health, hydration, um, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd spend heaps of money on partying, but I'd never get a massage or I'd <laughs> spend heaps of money on alcohol and, and never buy decent food and, and I did yeah. everything wrong. But, but instead of, continuing to do it wrong and dying from yeah. it i'm like right i'm 46 if i get to 70 and can still do everything i love then that's epic um so my goal personally is to be the fittest i've ever been at 50 I love um, that. and i'm pretty fit still you know yeah, I'm able to maintain, like master, yeah, yeah i'm able to maintain everything because i just love going for it yeah um but it sent us on this this beautiful journey and it's to help military vets um and and uh, first responders and, and i'm using it for the extreme sports platform um, to help with depression, suicide prevention, mm. um, and to work with the TBI situation as well and to get more of an understanding of that, which what causes you to go down a dark path. And so explain like. that. So TBI. so TBI is like traumatic brain injury and it's killing okay. a lot of people, but you can't find out about it until it's until you get a brain like autopsy or whatever. So, so is that trauma, uh, yeah, hard, physical trauma? Physical trauma. Or- and I think... Excuse me. They're discovering more about mental trauma as well. Yeah. Um, but and it's not just heavy hits of like so they got to sort of discovered by the NFL players in America. Yeah. But like soccer players, rugby players, you know, construction mm. workers on jackhammers, they find there's multiple little hits over your your life are creating this sort of stuff. So um, for us, we did a, te- a test recently with a friend and a four second delay with our parachute system slider down, which so they open hard is the equivalent of a 50 kilometer hour car crash at half a second yeah you know? wow i've had a thousand of those <laughs> you know yeah. so it's like oh shit. is so that how many jumps you've had i've got scott i've seven thousand three hundred jumps i think and base jumping's i think four thousand eight hundred jumps so so a lot of Jesus impact a lot, of, a lot of heavy impact stuff and um so but it's not been studied or talked about so mm. one of the things with this project is we get a, a brain scan we've already done one did it in august and then we do another one in february and then I get a brain scan for the next 10 years yeah. every year to try and... So it might be too late for my brain, but if I can help other generations' brains and stuff like that, just to get an idea yeah. and understanding of what the impact of extreme sports does combined with too much partying or not a balanced diet and how I can maintain or even enhance my brain over the, yeah. the next half of my life. And I'm really intrigued by that. So again, from a physical point of view, an instructing point of view with base jumping especially that's what i focus on these days it's i've already achieved all those goals for myself personally and now i want to impart all that knowledge onto the next generations but that's just the physical side of it so i want to get more into the the neurological neurological side of it yeah yeah um you know and the emotional side of it we're working with the guys now of how to how to live a good life and save something for tomorrow and for you sure. know like focus on today for sure but don't don't kill yourself don't don't find what you love and then let it kill you Find what you love and then let it expand you and, and make you better. So that's turn that self-destructive process into something more positive. Um, so I'm headed down that, that journey now and just see where it takes me. Again, no, no straight up goals of like, right, this is exactly what I want to be at. It's just like, let's open these doors now and For sure. see where we're Explore. at. Let's 
explore health, fitness, nutrition, see how that impacts on your mental health, your emotional stability, yeah. all this stuff, your balance. And, and, and I'm really enjoying that process now. And that's all come about because of Ryan, the guy, Ryan Burman Parrot, his phone call to me last November. And he said, do you want to be a part of this project? And that's all it took. You know, I was already looking after myself. I was already hit rock bottom um, and I was already taking steps to become better. Um, but that was a real catalyst for me to like, right, let's, let's do this, you know? Um, and that set me off on the journey. So it really has a lot to do with, with that one phone call. Um, just Crazy to, how conversation can change. Your yeah. Life, right? and, and look, my religious views and all that over the, my life have changed dramatically. So I still wouldn't say I'm a God bother or anything like that, yeah. but I do believe now in a bigger higher purpose sort of thing yep. or a divine or whatever you want to call it you know um but that phone call came at the exact right time it should have came and now you know I, you know i've done a lot of psychedelics you know yep. so definitely not for the right reasons in the past and um but definitely you know doing this ayahuasca retreat and so when, remind some, me when was this the ayahuasca, the ayahuasca was in march in okay yeah so this so, is fresh this is fresh yeah so um but that just understanding that and getting a bigger picture into this the greater that we're all connected and that we're part of a bigger force whatever that may be you know there's not mm. a dude in the sky with a big beard or shit like that you know but we're just a big powerful energy and i think if you put out positive stuff you'll get positive stuff back if you put out negative stuff eventually you'll get negative stuff back and Bloody you know, and it's about what i've learned is about the awareness of that so now I'm trying to fine tune my awareness of my surroundings, which I'm very lucky because of base jumping and you know flying high speeds, low to the ground. You have to develop a flow state and an awareness of your surroundings. So I'm very good with my periphery of awareness, mm. and so now it's just translating that from sport into just to life and the bigger picture of things. And yep. and again, again, it still comes back to yeah, purpose and selflessness, um, but it still comes back to selfishness at the end. And you know, people can look at that any way they want, but. I get joy out of where I'm going now. Whereas I, I was getting instant joy out of getting wasted, mm. but the consequences just eventually was so fun that it just eventually wasn't fun anymore. And it was, yeah. I didn't know how to get out of that spiral. But now I'm like excited to wake up, you know? I mean, I'm not a morning person, but I'll get up and I'm at the gym at six o'clock, yeah. do a class and it sets up the whole day. Um, I'm enjoying the discipline of doing that because it's hard to do that stuff. But once you, the reward you get, you know, the reward of doing a couple of shots, it's instant, and it, but it sucks afterwards because of the hangovers. But the reward of, of getting up and actually when you don't want to and going do exercise, when you've done it, you get this sense of accomplishment, mm. you know, and just, and I'll make sure we always make the bed every day too. It's a little thing. And I heard it from some military dude, but just that first thing you do is make your bed. Yeah. <laughs> and then you start the day from, from there and, and then, you know, having the gym and then going for a surf or a swim or a run straight after that, you, you've built your day up. It's already good. So you can already rule the world for the day. You know, you said yeah. it before. It's short-term gain, long-term pain is what you were playing. You've, mm. you've flipped that I switch flipped now it. and it's like, the short-term pain for the long-term gain. And it's that Jocko Willink quote, which you'll appreciate, discipline equals freedom. Yeah, it's so and, true, yeah. You know, once you get comfortable with that lifestyle, like, it's, mate, I, I fully relate to you. I never used to be a morning person. Like, I remember I used to wake up every morning and think, oh, I'm so fucking tired and yeah. I don't want to go to work and I'm going to need three coffees to charge me up. And 
then once I started building that discipline, like mm. I get up at 4.45 every day. Wow, awesome. Um, so like I'm an early riser. And like I get up now, like last Sunday, it was 30K run with the boys. I get up and I'm like, oh, I'm so fucking keen to go for a 30K run with the boys. I know it's not going to feel great, but I know after I'm going to feel great. I know that I get to go enjoy something that is a blessing to be able to do. Yeah. Like not many people can run 30Ks. Like how lucky am I? Yeah. And once you've built that discipline, you can't see life any other way. No, it's good. And You're it's, in it. It's, it's exactly right. And it's so good. I don't mm. know. I want to be able to translate that to other people in a simple mm. form. It's now, yeah. and I mean, it, just how kids are getting taught at school, you know, like they, that's the stuff they need to. For to sure. Learn, it's it's fundamentals, know? right? Yeah. Fundamentals of life success. Yeah, but it's not really taught in school. You don't really learn it in school. And mm. it's like, so part of this journey we're doing with this 7X project, it's also called the Human Performance Project. So, okay. Um, but that, that is basically to formulate a document at the end. It's going to give people a basic, simple structure to follow, you know, because there's information everywhere, but I've never even understood any of the information. I never searched for it, never, never bothered to go through it all to find out what I've just learned in the last 12 months. And now it's just all coming to me left and right. And it's like, oh, wow, if you do this, (laughs) this helps. And then, you know, just even with my osteopath, when I hurt my calf, he showed me this other stretch and I'm like, oh, if you just bend that leg just that tiny bit, it completely changes things. So one percentage, right? Yeah, and I'm like, I'm just like, every day is like fascinating now in in a completely different way than it was before. Mate, I love that. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. I sound all like yeah hippie again, but it's like it's been really really cool. It's like a, it's like not reborn, but it's like it's like I've been repurposed, you know, Mate, which that, is cool. That's such yeah. a great way of putting it. I've never yeah. heard anyone explain it like that before, yeah. but that makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the way you talk about it and you can see like anyone who's watching this pod will be able to see that there's like a joy in your face when you're describing these feelings and these learnings. Mm. Well, I've had a chance again. I've had a chance to go into a second half of life. I've been given that gift and that's how I see mm. it now. And, you know, after one of our friends who was a legend in the sport, you know, he, he tied at 53 from liver failure from alcoholism. Mm. And it's like, fuck that, man. Like, he had so much to give. And, you know, and I'm like, I've still got more in me for yeah. sure. And so now, basically, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see the light. The, there's still darkness, mm. but the light's way bigger. Whereas before, even up to a year ago, man, there was, you couldn't really see the light anymore. And it was just darkness. And it's like, fuck it, you know let's do this. You know, I didn't want to wake up, you know, to go to bed, try not to wake up. And, you know, so, and now I'm like, right, cool. It's just discipline. Now I have all the tools now to make my life, whatever I choose, but the most important tool now is discipline. So again, it's, it's ayahuasca ceremony. It was tough, but it just gave me the tools to, to go forth. And then it's up to me, you know, it's like, it's like, it's up to you to be awesome. It's yeah. up to everyone to choose their own path. They can have help left and right and stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to make that choice of whichever way you want to go. And it's cool. I'm not telling people what to do or anything like that. I'm just that I'd made my choices. I see that these choices are better for this time in my life. And that's the journey I'm on. And for me, that's, that's really important. But you have the choice, but it takes work. <laughs> Of course. You know, so... It's well, mate, a- I'm so glad to hear that because the world is better for having Chris McDougall in it. <laughs> and I think the impact that you can have on people now is profound. And, you know, you said it there and it made me think of a quote. 
um, Confucius, right? And he says that every man has two lives. The second begins when he realizes he has only one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that second life has begun for you. This is the start of something special. Yeah. And I can see you going on to far greater heights than any mountain you've ever jumped off. And that's now that ability to be the teacher, to be the mentor. So, yeah. mate, I'm, I'm so excited for you. I'm yeah, so excited cheers. for you. I have to ask, you know, if you looked in an Oxford dictionary, you'd be able to find a definition for fear. But I wonder what you define fear as. Fear, it's a tricky beast, but it's manageable. So mm. if you can work with it, then it's one of your greatest tools as well. So everyone's like, oh, you're, you're uh, fearless and stuff like that. It's, it's completely opposite. I'm petrified. But <clears throat> learning to work with the fear. Um, and then, so as an example, so when you're jumping off a cliff, it goes against everything you stand for. Absolutely. The human mind body souls not we've been trained not to jump off cliffs because you're going to die but if you can be disciplined and that you do the training you check the weather you check your gear you make sure everything's perfect for this jump and then the only thing left to deal with is fear Mm. and then you can have a choice of how you want to deal with that fear and there's healthy fear and negative fear and so as long as you're not going with beyond your limits yeah. Which you learn in the sport. You know, you don't get a, a, um, your driver's license one day and drive Formula One cars the next. Yeah, so it's the same as this. You, you've got to build it. If you're smart, you'll build up to it. Um, but if you, you know your limits, you know, when you do choose to step off into the unknown, you know, before that, as long as you've done all your checks of everything around you, the only thing left to deal with is fear. Yeah, and it's not for everyone. So some people's fear will say, yeah, this is still a stupid idea. Let's walk away. Um, but if you've done the training, you've got the skills, and you step off into that unknown, then then fear is what allows you to stay alive, actually, because it allows you to do all those checks beforehand to make sure, right, yeah. I'm going to do something pretty full on here, but let's make sure we check everything, make sure everything's perfect before we actually do it. Um, but if you didn't have fear, you'd be super blasé about it. Yeah. And that's what kills a lot of people is they, they lose the fear, they get complacent. Um, and they don't know the limits. Yeah. So would you say that the antagonist then of fear is courage? And then would you define courage as preparation? Yeah. So we use the words, first of all, as prevention. Okay. So that's the biggest thing with our schools that we tell everyone, like the most important words you're going to learn in this entire sport starts with P. And you can imagine what comes out. <laughs> it's yeah. like pussies and yeah. you know, preparation does come out sometimes, but no one ever gets the word prevention. And that's the biggest one. So I'll use the term. You can, how do you prevent yourself from getting hit by a car when you're crossing the road? You look both you look, ways. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. So that's how you prevent that. You have good shoes on. You make sure the road's not slippery. If you want to get technical about it, you know, yeah. it's the same for jumping. So basically if you jump off a cliff, how do you stop yourself from dying? Open your parachute. <laughs> First thing, you know, and, and it just, we use that prevention. So, Let's get technical with that. How do you, let's go back all the way to prevention. So if you really want to stay alive, you'll stay in a padded room and die of boredom. You're still going to die, but you're going to die of boredom. It's going to be terrible, slow death, but that's how you're going to prevent yourself from dying base jumping. But right, that's our, that's our baseline for say risk, but we are going to base jump. We're going to jump off a cliff, right? So we've made that decision. So now our baseline for risk lifts to here. So how do we prevent everything? Then let's pull this back down here. That's our normal now. Jumping off a cliff, that's our baseline for normal. How are we going to prevent ourselves from dying off here? And yeah, it comes back to prevention. So prevent 
um, prevent falling and flailing by doing the training preparation. Yeah. Prepare your parachute correctly. Prepare for the correct weather, you know. But we use the word prevention for it. So, so you yeah, trace it. it all back and it's a huge one. And if you can do that, so it's not like skateboarding where you can fall off, you break your ankle, but you'll heal up and you'll go in. With our sport, there's a good chance that when you, you fail once, you can die. Yeah. So it's really, really important to be really strict with that and then to not get... And then the next part is just preparation and um, knowing your limits and complacency. That's the way the fine line of ego comes in. So it's it's you need ego as such, but not arrogance. Yeah. And so you need to keep yourselves in check always. And and that's what I've been very good at throughout my career for the most part is just keeping myself in check, knowing how dangerous it is, dangerous it is, seeing people die. Um, and then also with the school now, I go back to basics five, six times a year. Okay. Yeah. And so and I'm scared. This is the thing people yeah, to get back to the start of the question is I'm fucking shit scared of everything petrified yeah and i'm a really really scared person but i'll use all these tools to push past that fear you know and i'm i'm not good on motorbikes so i don't go and try and do a backflip you know i'm friends with some of the high-end guys the highest end i'm not gonna go and try a backflip you, you, you and travis pastrana would have to be mates right? oh not mates but i've worked with him yeah i've done yeah, some okay. film jobs with him and stuff but i'm not gonna go and just do a backflip on dirt straight away because i'm not very good at riding i can't get yeah. into flow state riding but i can get into flow state jumping mm. so i'm not going to put myself in those positions but the, when you do you know and i've broken a lot of bones in snow sports and stuff like that because you're just yeah. pushing too hard and that's and again doing that every time you're like oh, mm. i did i could have prevented that by doing this prep and yeah. doing that and, and having fear but in, in jumping luckily enough i'm really really scared with it and i've just learned to control the fear and use it in a positive way but it doesn't mean i always jump like hundreds and hundreds of times i walk away you know so that's 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 interesting yeah, yeah it's important it's critical and it's critical for everything i mean i just learned a lesson on sunday with my calf mm. i ran because my body hurts it's not it's, it's a mess you know i'm just yeah. rebuilding it now and so i'm running i'm doing seven minute miles it's like cool i got six miles to do in under 45 minutes i've never done that before and i'm like i'm doing it i'm doing it you know and then the third mile, my calf just started hurting a bit and then it hurt a lot. And then it's, oh, wow. Okay, that really hurts. It's weird, but I've had other things hurt. So let's push past that thinking it'll just go away. Yeah. And it didn't eventually I had to walk back to the car and stuff. And I'm like, I should have stopped. I should have stopped right there and then, you yeah. know, and then I'm like, how did I, did I warm up enough? Did I sleep enough? Did I, so, you know, did I eat well enough? And, and then I'm looking at all these other things of what I could have done to prevent that. Yeah, yep. It's not always the case. There are random elements there as well. For sure. Um, but fear, fear, it's so important in life and so important in our sports. But then there's there's good fear and bad fear. So if I use the example of a paramedic, not everyone can be a paramedic because you have to get into that high-pressure situation that you don't know what's happening and stay calm. Yeah, whereas some people would panic and freak out and go crazy. It's not for them. It's the same for base jumping. It's like when... You have to prepare for base jumping for something to go wrong. Oh yeah. yeah, every jump I expect everything to go wrong, and then ninety nine point nine percent of the time nothing goes wrong. But I'm ready for it. So by again preparation, um, but when it does go wrong, then I'm ready for it in a calm mind as well, and that's controlling the fear. So when you can control fear and control calm, and you get in that flow state, then time slows down. But if you don't control fear and control your calm, time speeds up. And yeah. that leads to a lot of death as well. And again, it comes back to preparation and prevention. 
Yeah, I got a, in in our teaching manual. I've got a whole heap of stuff like that. But the the number one is is prevention and preparation and visualization. So it's a huge one as well. Mm. So just I visualize bet. everything you're doing, um, and then replay it, replay it, replay it. Get so good at it in your mind that when it actually happens, you're okay with it. And um, but you got to be careful with that because you can visualize negative outcomes in life as well. Which you know everyone's got a voice inside their head, and if you can repeat negative flow then negative things will happen yeah. so you've got to train your brain to 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 visualize positive flow and positive energy and positive outcomes as well as that so when i'm visualizing malfunctions yeah i'm visualizing something very bad but i'm visualizing it to get a positive outcome for sure <laughs> yeah and so that's really important so they're all basically joined together you know fear prevention preparation calm um and and understanding your limits and not being complacent um, and they're, they're all joined together as part of the ego a little bit. And, and that's a really important thing to maintain confidence, but not arrogance. Mm. It's a tricky beast, you know, and to try and explain that to a 20 year old, you know, we're pretty good at it, but, um, I'm just in my era when I was 20, there wasn't, we were sort of cutting edge of the sport yeah. by, by accident. You know, it yep. wasn't like, yeah, cool. Let's be cutting edge. It was like the sport was at a level and we were at that level and we just kept going that way. And, but now I'd be worried about my 20 year old self because we've got the world at our feet now. You can press a button and get a wingsuit, press a button, and get a parachute and, and press a button and, on YouTube and watch a video and go for it. Sure. So try and find that balance for the new kids coming through and, and explain to them that just like, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process and, and don't let it kill you because life actually does get better. You know, there's hurdles all along the way, but life does actually get better and better and better. But you've got to be alive to actually experience it. Mate, so yeah. beautifully said. So, but yeah, to get back to your thing on fear, fear is everything. It's scary as fuck. Everything in life is scary. That's how you choose to deal with that that fear. And and you know, if you want to be scared in a car driving erratically, then go for it. But it's not going to have a good outcome at some point. You know, it's the same for jumping. It's the same for life. So you got to learn to control that fear and and use that as a positive influence on your life. Mate, yeah. I reckon that's um that's a fucking master keynote topic for you mm. there. That that discussion of fear. I want to dive into the the visualization visualization I should say tool that you spoke about. I want you to almost um, visualization practice right here. Talk me through in very first person. Like if I was to close my eyes and you would almost put me in that in that suit with that pack on my back. Talk me through the most exciting riveting scary whatever it may be jump of your life yeah well you wouldn't even do that because you'd, you'd want to we teach it this is exactly how we get our first jump students when they do their first cliff to do but we teach them just a beautiful calm wonderful practice i mean if i want to visualize you going through crazy stuff yeah. i can i'd have to think of it but you basically we, we could do that it's basically you're on the edge Give me like a very real, like your best. I'll give you one of best. my favorite jumps because it's, I've I, I done a video years ago where I speak through the entire jump. Oh, wow. Um, and so and on camera and you'll, you hear me do the turns and stuff. But there's a jump called the Melkstor, which is in Switzerland. It's a, basically to set the scene, you're literally in the Swiss Alps. Mm. You're hiking underneath glaciers. There's ibex and deer and you, you're hiking up this mountain, crossing riverbeds, and then you're hiking along a thin cliff. If you fall to the left, you're going to die. Then you climb up this chain, chain way of grass. You get to the edge. You can see a 4,000 meter peaks all around you. Sun's out because the weather's perfect. And you sit there, you take it in. You've just done two and a half, three hour hike. So you take it in. You enjoy the moment 
and the fact that you're about to do something potentially dangerous, potentially deadly, but what are you doing it for? You're doing it for this view to be with your friends, <clears throat> to feel peace, to feel calm and to just enjoy the present moment. So you'll do that, have your water, have your apple, gear up methodically, just go through your checks, do one check, do another check, do a buddy check if you're with friends, um, put your gear on, things start getting serious, okay, because you realize in the moment, so you'll visualize your flight, you'll visualize opening your parachute, you'll visualize the malfunctions that you need to visualize, you'll just get into that flow state, get into that calm, you know, I'll do a thousand checks. You know, one of the quotes we say to our students is no one ever died from overchecking. So check, check the pilot sheet still there, which is your little parachute. Check again, check again, righto. It's time to go. Okay. And it's a lot calmer now. Everyone's, the jokes are over. It's, it's, it's serious. You get closer to the edge and you got to be careful not to trip over your wingsuits, you know, you get closer to the edge, you'll zip up your legs. Now you're locked in. And you'll get to the edge, set your legs up in the right spot. You're locked into your arms. Cameras are on if you've got cameras. You're like, okay. And then you do a cadence so that you know when you're going and then when your friends know when you're going. Right on the three count or, you know, ready, set, goes. On the right, here we go. This is what I'll do. And I'll, I've already taken three massive deep breaths, just mm. in and out, just cent centralize the body, the mind, the soul. Because this could be it. You could die in the next minute. So you have to be ready for that. You have to be okay for that. And obviously that's not the outcome you're looking for, but you have to be aware that it's very present. Um, you're ready to go. You drop the visor on your helmet. You'll hear it click. And you know that if you stay there much longer, the visor will actually fog up from your breath. So it's go time. So yeah, as that goes down, it's ready, set, jump. You'll push off controlled hoping to do the perfect exit because you don't get yet. The main time you get to practice it is just when you jump. And then the second you commit to that jump, there's no past, there's no future. There's literally the present moment. And it's like a beautiful silence for that first second. We're at the mercy of gravity because your wings haven't mm. inflated yet. You haven't taken flight. So you're falling. And you know at this point in time that if you don't do anything about it, you are dead. So you're in control of your own destiny. It's an incredible feeling to be in control of your own destiny and future. And then after two seconds or so, the wings will inflate, your pickup speed, your downward speed will turn to glide and you're like, I'm safe. I'm not going to die at this point in time because everything's flying. And then you're on, then it's game time. Then it's, then it's your Formula One racing fighter, you know, fighter jet, you know? So basically as soon as I'm flying, I'm safe. Now you turn on this jump, you'll turn a sharp right-hand turn. You're going to transport over to a grass section. You don't always know if you're going to make it. So you have a possible out depending on the weather have a chance where you can turn left and get away from the cliff if you need to. But this time I'm going to make it. So you're like, right, I'm going to make it safely. Now I'm going to turn the speed on. So you'll kick it into gear, put the turbo on essentially, and you'll attack the grass. And you'll hit this grass, this grass plateau at about 200 to 250 k's an hour at a meter off the deck, two meters off the deck. And you'll just buzz it and you can see your own shadow. It's like it's life-size because you're that close. And then come cruising around and you hit that spot and you're like, right, where's the next gate? You're going to go, you've already preempted all this stuff from uh, previous flights mm. where you're already, you're outside the hardcore realm and you're just mm. observing, you know, so if you're doing it smart. So then, right, now I'm going to hit these tree gates and then you just go and you're aiming right for them. You always got a margin on this jump to turn left and get away. And then you just keep attacking, attacking, attack, keep the speed, don't get relaxed, but stay calm. 
So, but keep the speed. Don't flatten mm. out because if you flatten out, you'll, you can stall out and it's, you don't have the power. The power's in the dive, the power's in the speed. And then just pick it up, right? You've finished the terrain. It's been over a minute now where you're flying a meter off things, two meters off things and high speeds. Now it's time for the next dangerous part. We're just peeling off into clear air, doing a massive flare out, which is shoot your wingsuit up in the air up to 100 foot above where you're flying because of the speed generated mm. and then it's concentration time so you go in nice and even nice and calm deep breath pitch your parachute hoping every works correctly because you're completely trapped into this straight jacket okay and then the parachute comes out and they're very very good parachutes they, they're made to open you know so parachute comes out you're like yes i'm gonna live and then you can unzip and take your breath and do the woohoos and just stoked to be alive just stoked at what you've just accomplished on a personal wow. level um and then you know you land you unzip you land everything's safe and it's like it's just a dream Mate, you're just like it's just a dream and then that's epic all that effort you know the two and a half hours of getting up early the two and a half three hours to get to the jump the preparation the fact that that could have been your last moment on the planet the, the fact that you're truly feeling a personal mm. sense of aliveness and, and um you've enriched your own being um, nothing, no one can take that away from you, and then you just want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking so, unreal. That's you know what that to me. Listening to you do that, I'm like, you know how um, the car map have the sleep stories. Oh yeah, I'm like, yeah. that could be a fucking sleep. Oh. Story. I feel so like zen then. Yeah, if I thought about it properly, I mean, I could do a full. Mate, that, yeah. that's so that's just cool. that's one of my favorite jumps. But there's, I mean, there's a ton of jumps, especially around Europe and stuff, where it's like yeah. that. It's beautiful, and I have this. Because I'm experienced, I'm pretty calm throughout. It's funny. I, I can speak throughout the jumps. I'd be talking yeah. to myself like, I found out years ago, I watched a video of myself. I was by myself. I had a POV camera on. I was in America. And I played back the video of me. I wasn't wingsuit. I was just flying a normal parachute. Mm. Oh, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, you hear me going, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. I'm just talking to myself as I'm flying down this mountain. It's like, hit this gate of rocks and stuff. Just like yeah. I'm in a video game, but I'm, I'm the actual player, it, player one, you know? And and it's like, that's what I, I do when I'm flying. I, I'm very aware of my situation, yeah. which I'm blessed for. And yeah, I can talk to myself. Oh, check this out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's that's go. Yeah, woo. That was sick. And next bit, right, right focus. Yep, yeah, cool. Yep, nice. Yeah, bro. You know? Yeah, and I, and I do that on a lot of jumps. When I'm, when I'm really in the flow state, I'll just be talking, mm. giggling and... Like, whoa, that was sick. And Mate, yeah. it's just pure be being present. Pure being present and pure self-enjoyment. You know, again, people say it's such a selfish sport. What if you die and this and that? But at the end of the day, you've got to make, make yourself happy before you can make mm. others happy. And if, if that's what makes you happy, then that that's that's all you can do, you know? For sure. And so my dad was always cool like that. He's always like, yeah, I understand. You know, he's the biggest, biggest fan of base jumping and the community because they're all just so open-minded, positive people. Mm. Um and he's like, yeah, you, you're getting to live in the moment, doing what what you dream of doing, and and not everyone gets to live that dream. Not everyone should, in that respect, too. They should have their own dream. But the the feeling of um, unpowered human flight mm. is second to none for the people that are interested in that style of things, you know. But it, you know, it takes like five years to learn how to get to that point at a minimum if you want to do it smart yeah you know so it's a journey to get to that point so when you finally do it it's like a, a dream come true and then to be able to repeat that process and fly like a bird as such you know it's incredible and um to for me now to hit those special jumps 
it's just it's beautiful you know they got to do one this year in in i won't say the country because it's a bit of a legal one but in uh over the europe area we jumped inside a mine shaft i seen that yeah and it was yeah. sick and it was like i've wanted to do that like the sound of that blew my mind listening to that yeah. video and it's like wow man what a unique opportunity and, and same when i got to jump in the cave of the spies it's a 1200 foot hole in the ground and it's just the sport has just taken me to those epic places you know just being open to opportunity and and being able to live through it all it just keeps taking me to these incredible places yeah. i mean this 7x project where first scott i was in antarctica i'm like that's grass yeah how else would you go to antarctica like yeah without my sport the sport that could have killed me day one but it hasn't so without the sport i would never have got any of these opportunities and I'm yeah. so grateful for that. So that's why I want to like pass that that knowledge on to people and let them live this this dream that truly is a dream come true, but just not get too swayed down the dark paths. Definitely. Yeah. Mate, some people spend their time in this life existing. You've spent it living mm. and, I, and I love that. And I could honestly sit here, mate, and talk to you for hours on end. Like it, it blows my mind how interesting this stuff is. But we've come to the point in the podcast that all of the listeners, viewers know too well, um, which is five questions and five answers. Right, short so, or long? Um, mate, I always say short, but it never is. Just, <laughs> just give us what you got. You know sure. what I mean? Give us yeah. what you got. Shoot from the hip. And essentially what this is, is it's the perfect conclusion to a beautiful app. Or for some people, they'll be experiencing this as the separate trailer. And if you love the five questions and five answers, go ahead and listen to the full episode as well. So I want to dive into them with you. Um, the first question, um, like I said, they're consistent with every guest, is if you could recommend only one book or podcast to someone listening, what would it be and what's it done for you? One book. I'll say one book and I'd say Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Um, I haven't heard of that. It's epic. It's, the most important thing is it's short. Okay. <laughs> it's a short story, but it's epic. It's a book I traveled with for so many years until it disintegrated. Yeah. My entire back tattoo is based from that book. Um, And I have the record as well, so you can hear it audio, the actual record. That's Um, sick. And yeah, do you want to hear what it's about? Yeah, I'd uh, love to. It's a beautiful short story of a seagull that's surrounded by other seagulls, but wants to be more than just a seagull. It doesn't want to be there and and, um, eat chips and and, just be what other seagulls are. It's got all these wings and it wants to fly and it does barrel rolls and it's like learn how to do backflips but it was shunned by all the other seagulls as being out of the norm and what happens is he reaches this level of that's basically the, the quote from a back is like perfection is being there um but he reaches this level and next minute he's he doesn't realize he's actually died but he's gone to another level of consciousness okay oh, wow. and then where the seagulls there's other seagulls doing what he's doing mm. but not to that limit of where he wants to go so he doesn't doesn't realize but he dies and goes to another level of consciousness like higher again Mm. and it basically goes through that that book of of essentially like be your own man be the best you can be and strive for your excellence but don't follow the crowd and my whole life has been like that so i've always been lucky enough to do whatever i wanted like as best i can you know so i had a mohawk at 18 and so i was judged by everyone but it was perfect because i didn't want to speak to those people so it actually was a blessing and you know, if I wanted to do something, I'd go and do it. I never followed the crowd or waited for the crowd. And it's my biggest blessing. And um, and basically that, that book really, really shows that. There's a very 
it's an easy reading version. So it's similar to The Alchemist. Um, but it's my a, favorite. Yeah. So the, this book is a simple version, but from a seagull. So it's from human flight point of view. Yeah. Um, and so basically the way I look at my friends dying and stuff like that is that they've, they've reached perfection in this life and they've moved to the next level of consciousness in the next. And so my whole back tattoo is basically me metamorphosizing from man on earth to a flying comet um, with all my friends around. Um, flying right. in the universe as well and, and the bigger picture of things you know, we're just on this earth in a meat sack and what we do on this short time here is awesome but there's more more to it of eternity and energy and love and all that so but that that little book was life-changing for me Mate, what yeah. a beautiful answer to a very simple question i love it the second one i want to ask is is there an attribute you've developed that you think sets your life up for success attribute would be probably be, be open, yeah. Be open to opportunity, but mm. also life is gonna keep fucking giving you some, hey, good and bad. Just like just dust yourself off, you know. There's no time period, you know. When when Claire passed away, I went down a spiral for six months. Mm. I finally got to a point where I was able to get back up again, and my whole life has been like that. Yeah, and it, it, I can tell you a quick story. It's cracked right, me up. So again, this ayahuasca ceremony, I'm just right at the end of it. I've got in absolute immense gratitude. It's I'm fucking mind-blowing, you know? And you've got this spew bucket that you spew into when you're, you're purging and stuff like that. It's in front of you. And I was so much gratitude. I'm like, so grateful for this spew bucket. And then I spilt it. It's a pitch black. You can't see anything. And I spilt it over. And I'm like, you know, my old me would have gone, oh, fuck, you know, like, yeah. geez, you know, it would have been the, the worst disaster ever. And I looked, I looked at, I felt the spew, and like you know, I couldn't see shit. And I'm like, this is my life. I'm gonna fill the spew bucket up again, and my life, and then it's gonna be awesome because I have almost be in a little bucket, yeah. contained, and then I'm, I'm gonna spill the bucket, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm gonna do it again. And it was like that. That was my life. I'm like, I had this revelation. Like that's your life. That's everyone's life. It's like you get everything sorted, and then something comes in and just, you know, the Jenga falls out, and then you got to build the Jenga up again. And, yeah. you know, there's always a house of cards in life. And so that's to just keep picking yourself up, you know. We have a saying, we're waiting our time to die in the sport. So what are you doing while you wait? Yeah, so so I'm waiting to die. I could die any time I jump, you know, or I could die at 80. But what am I doing while I'm waiting? And so, so that's just to keep charging. Mate, profound. Yeah, I love it. Keep charging. What's the biggest challenge you face that's required the most personal growth thus far to overcome? You mentioned a few of them throughout There's the course heaps of this. Heaps of them. I think just try and be a little bit better person every day. That's the biggest one for me now because I've seen so much death, so much carnage. I've been down some really dark paths. I've been mm. I've been full rock star. I've had some incredible stuff happen to me. Um, but just, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so say, say the question again, so I'm trying to shorten so it So the, the biggest challenge you face that's required the most growth to overcome? I think just the biggest challenge, life is worth living. Mm. It's like the easy way out. Fucking oath it yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, and it's close for me a couple of times. You know, the true easy way out for me is easy. I can just jump off a cliff without a parachute, mm. you know. But the just to there is light at the end of the tunnel always that's a huge one we lost a good friend of ours he's in his mid-50s suicided two weeks ago and it's like fuck i wish i wish he reached we tried to reach him i wish he reached back and 
but the light that there's no light left for him and, and now i'm learning there's always light you've just got to be open to the light mate it's so yeah. beautifully said and I, you know i i was talking to someone about this on a pod a couple of months ago and i said sometimes life can feel like a dark room mm. and you know you're putting your hands on the wall trying to find the light switch but if you search for long enough there's always one there yeah yeah it's exactly and once right. that light's on the room's lit up the you can see is, yourself you can see the problems around you you can process it yeah. and you can see a way out the hardest part we've found is especially when i was at my darkest is the one time you don't want to reach out mm. so how did one of the things i want to solve and i'm very open to anyone that has answers how do you solve the problem of when someone's close to suicide how do you get them to reach out how can you help them when there is no darkness and they don't want to search for the light mm. that's the time when you feel so alone Mm. but you actually it's the time when you, all your friends will band together but you don't know that you don't think like that in that point and it's a mystery to how to work through that problem well on that you know i don't, definitely don't have an answer but i will say one thing that i'll commend you on is your vulnerability because i think the more comfortable we get as a society with vulnerable conversation being open expressing how we feel when things are challenging we create a safe space for mm. other people and, you know, it's, it's something that my mates do an amazing job of and we always encourage vulnerability amongst mm. our group. So it's, you know, right now, thankfully, everyone's in a great place. But, you know, God forbid one day um, and likely one day someone comes across a challenge, they feel as though that space is safe enough that they yeah. can then open up. And so, mate, I, I commend you on your mm. ability to be vulnerable and your willingness to be vulnerable because one day someone will open up to you because of it. So. Well, I get it already, but I only learned it recently. So it's mm. like, yeah, again, in this ceremony, it was like learning to be vulnerable, learning a safe space, and then be hum like humble enough or have the humility to be able to share that vulnerability. For sure. And in turn, that's already had people contacting me and stuff to help Mate, them I love out, that. which has been beautiful. So yeah, but vulnerable, it's a, good, it's a good way to put it because that's what we learn is how to be vulnerable. Yeah, Mate. especially in a sport where you've got to be also bulletproof. So it's a, it's a double... It's a fine it's, line. It's a very fine line. And just yeah. to navigate that as a young man is a tricky one. Yeah. Earth but is. I think the society, at least in that aspect, is helping that become more open now. We're now encouraging it. Yeah, which is, so. which is really cool. So. Mate, my fourth question for you is, is there a habit or ritual that forms a part of a morning or evening routine right now that's setting you up for this newfound success and this newfound path? Right now is just discipline. And so my partner, who's just amazing, she gets up every day. And she does it. Well, I'm doing it now too, but she, she gets up every day at 5.20 and goes to the gym. Rain, hail, shine. She's got a stress fracture in her leg right now and she's still going every day. What a weapon. And so, yeah, she's a weapon, you know. And so that's been really awesome for me, someone that doesn't like mornings, to get up and go for it um, and, and, and just go to the gym with it every morning and then make sure I've been able to continue that discipline through since, since I got here. So right now, yeah, coffee, gym, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'll get back and either go for a run or I go for a surf or I go for a walk on the beach or a swim. So in this, in this stay, stay disciplined. Yeah. So right. no, I'm lucky that. that when I, when I choose to do good, I can do good. When I choose to be disciplined, I'm good at it. I'm like full throttle at whatever I choose to do. So whether it's negative or positive. Yeah. It's going to be full on. So this right now and hopefully forever more will be full on with this stuff. Um, and the benefits have just been enormous. Mate, yeah, well, so I'm back in here. I can see you've found Discipline, you found discipline, this discipline. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Keep ripping in. Keep listening to those goggins <laughs> and bloody Jocko Willing. Yeah, absolutely. Clips, right? Yeah. The last question for you, which is my favorite, 
Um, it is, if you could share one message with the world and encourage them to act on it, what would that message be? Enjoy your time on this planet because that's all you actually have. And it's so important. Um, and not to all courses, but some courses I'll tell my students at the end, and I learned this as well, is just be the best you can be. And I use the analogy that there can only be one world champion at any one sport at any one time. But you can be your own world champion at everything you do all the time, but it's up to you. And, and that's it, you know. So we have a finite amount of time on this planet and you have the opportunity to do anything you want with it. You're going to stumble and fall, no doubt. That's how you get back up again and go for it. And just, there is a tomorrow. And even if there's not, plan like there is. You know, live for today, but get ready for tomorrow because it's going to be a ripper. Fuck, I love that. Yeah. So well said. So. And it, it makes me think of a Ricky Gervais quote off the, the OG office. And he says something like, I'll likely butcher this and ruin how profound your moment was just there. But he says something like, I can settle with the fact that I wasn't a success, but I can't settle with the fact that I never tried. Mm. And mate, I think that is, you know, the beauty yeah. of that message you just shared. Just, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal, as we said, as cliche yeah. as, as that sounds. Well, to put it in context with what I'm doing now, this this project, which has got me off my ass. So to be able to run, I've never run a marathon ever. Okay. So, and I've never run properly until two months ago, three months ago. And so the opportunity that's come about to run my first ever marathon in Antarctica is like epic. And if I can continue that and do the other six continents, it's such a gift, it's such a rare opportunity. And if I don't prepare 100% for that and fail, then I'll be kicking myself for the rest of my life. And I'm going to do that in all my life too. But if I prepare 100% and fail, I've already won. And I'm already feeling it now. I feel like I've already won. I could walk away tomorrow and not do this event. Mm. With I've already reached my goals, which is happiness and discipline and physically better, mentally better, emotionally better. But to keep going now until February, keep training, keep living, keep doing everything right, and then actually achieve this seven jump, seven marathons. I think it's, for me personally, it's just a personal thing at this point. Earth. And it's just going to be so rewarding. But if I, if I didn't give it a true go, and train properly, I'll be kicking myself. So, mate, it's the quest, not the destination, yeah, right? Exactly. So, and what a journey so far. So, mate, it's not over. It. You know, that's I love the it. Thing. <laughs> I love it, mate. I'm going to make sure that everywhere everyone can find you, whether it be your Instagram, your YouTube, um, all the information on the Seven X project is all in the show notes. I'm so thankful for you coming on the show. No you know, it's funny. Life is, life is beautiful the way that it throws people in front of you you know to think that we're sitting in the same row of seats yeah. at a crossfit comp just a week and a half ago is is wild the fact that i was at a crossfit comp a week and a half ago is wild. I'm like, <laughs> mate, i'm sitting there not, going i didn't expect this in my life mate yeah. me, me neither i was just there to support mates you know I'm, yeah, I'm, i've got no connection or tie to the sport but that yeah. is i guess that's the beauty of the universe right yeah. it throws people in front of each other and that's cool. it well tommy sold me a bike and he's such a cool dude and i wanted to come and support yeah. those guys i just met him a couple of weeks ago as that's well mad. you know so that's mad yeah well mate it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show an hour and a half of just thrilling conversation and 
like I said, I could talk to you for hours and I want to make sure that people do connect with you post-show. So I encourage everyone to do that. Yeah, no dramas. I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're an incredible man. You've got an amazing story and a real opportunity to impact people and, and really affect change in the world. So, mate, I'm behind you. Cheers, brother. Thank you. Awesome.